You really hate this movie, don't you? I really do. All right, thank you for tuning in to the Theater Cleaters podcast. It is a 12 midnight podcast. Your hosts today are Todd and Dom. We've got a beautiful film that we're excited to talk about. Dom, why don't you give us a little synopsis of what we're going to be dealing with? Well, first of all, the the movie we're talking about is Casablanca, 1942. It's considered one of the best movies of all, of all time. Todd might have a different opinion, but we'll see here in a, in a hot minute. I mean, yeah, but I will say it is a certified classic. It is. It's a great film. I love it. Uh, Todd, maybe not so much. Um, so, the brief synopsis, uh, brief synopsis of this film is in the early stages of World War II. It's actually set in 1941, just after Pearl Harbor, I believe, or just before, around around that time. Um, there was a mass migration of Euro- European immigrants coming to the U.S., but they couldn't go through the Atlantic because that was where a war was going on, and there was a lot of U-boats, so they had to go around towards the Pacific. And how they did that was go through France, go through Marseille, then go to, uh, in North Africa, I forget exactly where they land, it says at the beginning of the movie, I should probably remember that, uh, and then goes into Morocco and Casablanca. And where we watch this story is in Casablanca, where a lot of European immigrants are trying to get visas to leave. And some fun stuff happens. Some interesting thing, some interesting things happen, and uh, we get to see a little life in Casablanca and a love story that blossoms there. All right. Yeah, I don't really want to spoil anything else beyond that right now. Yeah, I I totally understand. I mean, it's a it's a super impactful film that really uh, I don't know it catapulted Ingrid Bergman's career into what it eventually became. Definitely. Um, so yeah, just right off the bat, what do you think your initial thoughts of this film are? Well, I think it's got some of the best cinematography in in any movie, modern or old school. Uh, it's really pretty. You can't really be disappointed in watching these frames. There's so much going on in every frame that's like really satisfying. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things I really picked up on it was the the camera movements and everything done with the camera felt very tactical. Like, it was executed really well. There were precision movements and all of that. And, I mean, when you're dealing with that many background extras, you kind of yeah. have to be pretty precise because it takes a little bit of time to get everybody back to one. Definitely. But, yeah, I mean, the film is a great film. There's uh, a lot you can really learn from it. Personally, I'm not a big fan of this film. Uh and that's just coming from being a viewer in today's day and age. I think what the film does is it executes a lot of the classic motifs really well. And I think that's what was such an impactful thing for the film back then. But honestly, in today's day and age, every single film is using so many of these different techniques and tactics that it it drowns it out and doesn't make it anything to really write home about. Like, I will give all the respect to the film itself, but I think it's super... Uh, like, it's done to a T, it's classical storytelling, and it just, in today's day and age, it, it's just flat, it feels like. It's not as dynamic as how people are using it today's age, so it, it fell a little flat for me. You're saying the film's flat, it's not dynamic? Yeah, you mean, 100%. You mean the twists, the turns, the drama is di- is not dynamic in that movie? Dog, if we're talking about twists and turns, like this is rides in Disneyland, that was it's a small world after all. 
Okay. Um, I very much disagree with you on that hot take. I think Casablanca is a classic. Um, I think what you said is right about it, where it does a lot of the classic things executed very well. When it was made, those were not classic techniques. No, they were pioneers. Those were cutting-edge te- techniques in the golden age of Hollywood. Um, I think this movie is a pinnacle film that you watch in the golden age of Hollywood, and you're like, wow, black and white movies are not boring. I wouldn't let's, say let's it was on. boring. Yeah. that. Th- but, you know, it... I guess... I don't know. As a viewer who watches so many current movies, like I've I've done the whole film history spiel and all of that before, but it's like after watching movies in today's day and age, it it just doesn't stand out. Like it feels very mellow. I'm not like I'm not trying to like talk down on the movie. I fully understand why it's taught in class. It's a perfect like you know um, example as to how to use all of these different cinematic techniques, but. Like, in today's age, it just falls a little flat for me. And I'm going to stand by that all day today. Now that hurts my feelings a little bit. Not my feelings. Well, that's too damn bad. That's too damn bad. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, well, here's looking at you, kid, because you got that wrong. Let's be honest. Whatever, dude. We'll always have an answer. opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the beginning of a great friendship. <laughs> This movie is very quotable. This movie it's is a very, very quotable. quotable movie. Yeah, you could quote this for days, and like, honestly, I think that's one of the great things about it. Uh, but it, God, it's it's a great movie. I'm I'm not gonna change my stance. I will say it's a great movie, but it just for me it fell flat just because there's so much now that like kind of waters it down. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I think that this film, in terms of, um. Let's break it down a little bit by departments. No, you're going to break it down? I'm going to break it down a little bit. Break it down a little bit there, dog. Um, So, this this film, in terms of cinematography, there's still a lot to learn today. Oh, yeah. In today's filmmaking, we don't use a lot of things that they used back then to, to make our movies better because in this time when you had black and white, you needed to create interest in the frame with light and shadow versus color nowadays not as many people really um look at their shadows as much because now we we care more about light we don't really think about a shadow as much because we've got color to to take care of the rest create the frame to be interesting in casablanca black and white but it does a masterful job at using lights and shadows to create really interesting images and if you've noticed a lot of the times it's using really hard light it looks noir-esque. It's not a noir film, but it's got that kind of filmic style of noir where it's really hard shadows. You've got silhouettes. In one scene, you've got the the French detective and... No, was it the French detective? I can't remember who it was. Uh, it was Rick and someone walking into his office to get something out of the safe. And Rick walks off screen and then you get a silhouette from a really hard light opening the safe. And then you have the other dude standing there. It's just a really interesting frame. It's a different way to create blocking by using light and shadow. But also, beyond that, there's also just texture on walls with, like, plants. You see, like, plants casting shadows from really hard lights on walls because it's not like you have different colors on that wall to give it, like, 
impact. Otherwise, it'd just be one kind of blank shade of gray or white if it didn't have that kind of stuff on it. So there's a lot of things to learn today from watching this movie in terms of like cinematography and stuff. I I fully agree that the hard shadows and the hard lighting is something that I definitely picked up throughout the course of the film. I mean, all the shadows that are in the in the scenes all look beautiful and they're all really crisp. But I mean, also when you're making a film today, it's like you're not going to go that hard with the light because it's going to be picked up and it's like that's something that they could utilize during like the black and white era that really does wonders for it. And I, I think I commend them entirely for that. Not to mention film itself kind of has a different look and, and oh, light yeah. plays a little differently. Well, I mean, that was also in the era when they wanted like softer frames and like you could see it all throughout that everybody has like kind of soft like features around them. Like when you're looking at a close up of someone's face, it's not like there's hard edges around the edges of their face. They're like really soft and like kind of feathered out. Yeah. Uh, something kind of funny, similar to that line is you get a really, there's this one shot in the whole movie that's, that I think is actually kind of funny because nowadays you don't really see it anymore, but in old golden age, black and white movies, it was like the thing, um, was the beauty shots of the leads and not all the leads, specifically the women leads like Ingrid Bergman, her first like solo frame in the movie looks totally different than the rest of the movie. It looks completely different. Like it's a really pretty shot and it shows how pretty she actually is. But that that kind of style of introducing a character like almost looks like dreamy. Like when I watched it now, uh is not used today as much. You still you still try to give the leads like their their like beauty shots and make make sure they look good in their like close ups. But this is like a different level of that. It's kind of funny. Dude, that just prompted me. There's something that I want to talk about down the line in this episode. And that's just uh, kind of about the the roles that these characters or these people or men and women play. And how they're affected within the actual like film industry of that day. But I'm going to save that for a little later. First off, I just wanted to talk about while we're still talking about things within their uh, departments. I mean, mm-hmm. that sec- set decoration was phenomenal i think they nailed it i think it looks beautiful it really fits for where they're trying to be in casablanca i think it all looks well it all has that great feel and look to it and also like the not only was the set deck great but all of the staging was great like you have so many extras especially when you're at rick's like that is a massive little bar gin joint as he would say make it feel crowded but not overcrowded yeah, and then all of the backgrounds, they're doing enough to where it's like they're creating their own storylines, but they're not doing enough to like draw attention away from the main story. And I mm-hmm. thought that was a really good thing. Uh, and all of their movements were all really well done. And I think I want to give a just a huge shout out to the to the staging people, even though I doubt they would ever hear this if they're still alive. They're probably dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry to their families. But you know what? You're right. I, the, the, you know what the craziest thing about the sec deck is? Because it was during wartime, there was actually restrictions put uh, on, like, resources you could use. So a lot of that stuff is just leftover things from other movies. And that's kind of the craziest thing to me is these sec decorators had to make the best that they could out of something that they didn't really have a lot of choice over. Well, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about, like, this industry is just you're always going to run into constrictions or problems or other stuff like that. And it's how you pivot and how you adjust to like go on and make something great. Like, like 
no one really is doing that in today's age. Like, there's not that many restrictions in terms of, like, you know, fucking war. Yeah. But it's like, yo, you're going to have things fall apart. You're going to lose out on, like, having a location or having specific elements that you really want. And it's what can you find to replace that that'll still do it justice. And I think the the pivot that they can pull off is really well done. Definitely. That's it was golden age of Hollywood, dude. Dude, straight up. Yeah. That would have been a fun time to be alive. I wonder what the union rules were back then. Uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. Probably a lot worse than they are now. Yeah, probably pretty bad. Yeah, probably pretty bad. Honestly, I retract that statement. I don't think yeah. I'd want to be on that set. No. I think it'd be nice to go see that set. I don't think it'd be nice to work on that set. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I fully agree. They had to have done so much work. Because, I mean, for the, for the set deck people, there weren't that many spots in terms of, like, locations. Like, there was, like, the plane hangar at the end. But then there's, there's Rick's. There's the Blue Parrot. Um... There's Laszlo's, you know, hotel room. But even then, within all of those different places, there's a lot of different, like, looks or setups that they had. Like, you know. So, even if there's not many locations, the set deck people were busy as hell trying to build all these sets for them. To- That's true. That's true. Because you know they probably built all of these sets. Oh, Because they were doing the studio system. This is all shot in Warner Brothers lots, probably. So, dude, yeah. It's all built on stages. Nothing's like an existing location. Probably. I don't I know. Mean, I, I didn't do the research on that. Could be golden era, and but, they built up the back lot into be into kind of some of these spaces, and now they're still using that today. Maybe I don't know. I mean, they're mostly probably like built for this for this reason. Yeah, it's all speculative. Yeah, speculative. I I wasn't there, but I mean, it was a little before my time. I'd say, dude. But isn't it crazy that like take like Rick's alone you mm-hmm. got the bar you got the gambling area you have like the general seating you have sam and his piano and i mean sam and his piano are free floating through the space like yeah. i'm not gonna lie i would have genuinely loved to be a patron at sam or at rick's yeah like i think that would have been a good time Definitely. i think they all kind of like took care of their guests real well i was like dude wait on me hand and foot you know what bourbon i want <laughs> definitely uh now we're kind of moving a little bit more into directing and the blocking rather than yeah, the set yeah. deck, but they kind of go hand in hand. You can't really talk about any department without talking about directing because the director has has a say in, in every Yeah, he has a hand in so, each, little, each yeah. little jar. And you're right. The the feeling that's created from the characters and to set direction and even the camera moves, to be honest, in this movie arc, is makes Rick's seem like a really fun place. Mm-hmm. Rick's is where you want to go. Huge shout out to Sam and Carl. Like those Definitely. two side characters made the made some of the scenes for me. I thought they were a joy to see. Yep. They were dynamic characters, and they had a they they brought a lot of life. And what's that song that Sam sings? That uh, oh my like, god, that I, Ilsa is that her name? Ilsa? I don't know how to pronounce it. I thought it was Elsa, but it's Isla is how it's spelled. I maybe it's like Elsa? Elsa. Maybe it's Elsa. I don't know. I think it's like French or Hungarian or Astro-Hungarian or something. Yeah, you're better at world geography than I. Uh, yeah, but the crazy thing is most of these people are just like straight up Americans playing like Czechs and Astro-Hungarians and other people. But yeah. you know, talking about that kind of <laughs> Peter Laurel, the the uh, guy that was in M that we mm-hmm. talked about a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah, he's he's in this movie, and he looks totally different. Is he uh the dude who initially has those papers? Yep. Okay, I thought his eyes looked a little familiar. Yeah, his little buggy eyes kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's like Steve Buscemi, dude. You're going to notice that anywhere. Yep. Dude. Uh, looks way different, though. Probably like 
40 pounds lighter in this movie. Oh, definitely. He was looking thin. Yeah. Also, I just wanted to say real quick, um, wow, I went blank so fast. That is crazy. Uh, wow, that's really good for you shit. I know. It's it's super great. I'm sorry to everybody. Yeah. But no, I, I just wanted to say that the the film itself did a really good job of making it feel like a cultural melting pot. Like if all of these people really? are stranded there waiting for their visas, I think they did a really good job of showcasing the other cultures that are all stuck in the same area. And I think that was really well done. Yeah, which is kind of surprising for Hollywood. Dude, saving this time. Oh, yeah. This time, it's actually really surprising. I would say the other thing I want to talk about in terms of departments is the performances. Yeah, and it kind of goes with the directing, but uh, Humphrey Bogart gives a great performance in this movie, I think, um, along with uh, the actor of Carl. Honestly, anybody on screen that's 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 somebody that has lines, I think, gives a good performance. And the really interesting about that, kind of dipping into writing now, but this movie was not finished before they shot it. It was like half written in the dialogue people were like laughing about and Humphrey Bogart's uh, dialogue people were laughing about like the whole time they're like the crew and cast thought his dialogue was like the worst and he gave a great performance and he has some very memorable lines I agree with the cast and crew I thought his lines were the worst yeah you know but he still has some very memorable lines he has very memorable lines I will give him that but it it felt like it's kind of like that old school film noir style to where it's it is that cynical man playing the leading role but he never does anything that like really like has depth to it he's always just cynical and just like no i'm not doing that no no whatever you know like it was always like quick little like nah see i'm not gonna do that yeah exactly like it's like oh you're breaking the precedent today rick he's like ah like he's I don't know. He didn't feel super dynamic or giving much of a, a range to who his character is. He's very stock in his character. But to transition that into what we were talking about with the writing, I do think that uh, he was written pretty well. I don't know. I think one of the things with the writing is that they do a good job of letting the other characters give you a description of who he is before we initially see him at the start of the film. Yeah. It's a good character introduction. A lot of the characters, you're not, you're not being told who they are. You're kind of, I mean, well, I guess in his case you are, but you're not feeling like, oh, this, they're explaining this person's character to me. I feel like the interactions they give them are like pretty solid. You're like, oh, this is kind of who that is. Even though I guess, I guess it is kind of explaining. Well, yeah, it was like, uh... you kind of get the feeling who they are pretty quickly without like having to be told who they are. Yeah, like, early, early on, someone was like, oh, you're a cynical bastard or something like that, and then a couple scenes later, it's the... He's a cynical bastard. Well, yeah, obviously. It goes straight into him being that while he's playing the chess game or whatever, but then it's like, when they're going through his track record of what he did, and then the the police chief or whatever his name is, uh, he's just like, yeah, you're a sentimentalist. And, like, as a viewer, you're like, how this guy, that doesn't make sense, and then by the end of the film, you're like, Okay, yeah. He, he said he isn't a sentimentalist. No, he said he was because he was helping fight for the underdogs in both of the things that were on his record. And then he goes and he helps the, the young family at the casino and then obviously the ending. So, so you he, don't think those are different than how his character like is supposed to be? Like he, he literally lets the young couple 
win on his cheat on his table. But that's the writing. That's not the performance given by Bogart. Okay, so you're saying the performance is really flat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, the writing and the dialogue aren't phenomenal. Like, he has some good lines, but, like, the performance itself is flat. Like, he's not giving us a range. And, like, obviously, he's not written in to have much of a range, but it's, like, still, he only stays, like, a one-track performance. He ain't getting off at the next junction, you know? You really hate this movie, don't you? I really do. Like, I watched the whole thing. I was intrigued. I was, like, trying to learn. I was trying to give it my best effort. But at the end of the day, it's still, like, it was just falling flat. I was, like, I fully understand why this is a classic film. I understand why this is, like, taught in schools. But also, I could pull a million and one different references from today's day and age that actually executes some of these elements all very well. And I guess the main point of why people teach it is because look what they did with all of these old cameras and old technology and they pioneered it. But it's like, okay, so showcase that, but then give us something fresh to like actually learn from with color and more dynamic movements and other stuff. Like, I don't know, man, I, it, I'm not a fan. Todd, they can't remake old movies. Like they can't just go back and shoot that again. Now, nowadays, literally, that is all the Hollywood system does right now. Okay, is just okay. remake okay. old movie. That's not what I meant. I meant like they can't remake Casablanca nineteen forty two now. No, but they could do their best to yeah. make it again. Sure, sure. Duck. Okay. On this same topic, All Quiet on the Western Front was a nineteen thirty two film. They just released a new version this year, and it is different, but it's also still very good. No. You're right. I'm not saying that they shouldn't remake Casablanca nowadays as a period piece. I'm saying everything that you have wrong against it is something it can't change. It's set in stone. It was already filmed. You yeah, know, what, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I know I can't change it, but you know what I can do about it? I can call it out. I can vent about it. Yeah, this movie sucks. They should have made it now instead of then. <laughs> Dude, no. This movie sucks because of all of the movies now compared to then. I don't think that makes a movie suck because ones now are are better or use the techniques that this movie pioneered and used well. That, that movie, the reason why it's taught is because this movie, you build. It builds upon itself. That's what this industry does, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So, I'm following. Yeah, I know. I got you. You just want to disagree so hard, don't you? Yeah, I want to I want to have this discussion, dude. I don't even care what you wanted to talk about later. Like, we're talking about this That's now. That's fair. That's fair. But this industry builds upon itself, right? So you can't have films nowadays that didn't have films like that in the past. And that's why this is a really influential and important film. I don't care. I don't, like, I guess you're trying to say that you would rather watch a movie now than this movie. Like, you would rather watch a new movie than that movie if you had a choice. Right. Yes, and honest to God, on on the defense for myself, there are a lot of old historical films that I really enjoy that I learn a lot from. Like there are so many that I've seen throughout time that I really am impressed by and really enjoy. Really were able to pick up a lot of different things. Like His Girl Friday. His Girl Friday is same era. I absolutely love his girl friday the howard hawks fucking lyrical or linguistic acrobatics like i love that but with casablanca there was nothing that like genuinely stood out or made a super deep impact to me as a viewer okay that's fair 
You're dying inside right now. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's your opinion. Is this as bad as like me watching a foreign film? Yes. Honestly, worse, actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is not wrong. New films already use everything that this film did because this film exists. Mm -hmm. This film was what they, not what they chose it from, but films like this and films of this time are reasons why we make better movies now. Right. It, and that's it is one of the, the reasons fundamental, why it's one of the best movies. It, it is a fundamental building block of mm-hmm. the cinema industry, and I will give it all of that credit. I'm just saying, because of it being that building block, it is now drowned out what it does super well because everything else has come along that also executed it very well. So now there's so many other examples of the same exact things that I would pull for a reference instead of going to Casablanca. I think Casablanca is a really good showcase of like what they were able to do in that time period, in that day and age, and it was very influential to the industry. I'm just saying, over time, that has now been diluted because there's so much that's been built up from that. So are you saying algebra like sucks because there's like calculus now? Things that was built up upon itself? I don't know if that actually makes sense. I'm not a math person. Dude, all math I, sucks. I, think. I feel like that was a bad. That's fair. That's a bad reference. example. Like anybody watching sucks. this is gonna agree with you. Math, math sucks. Yeah, You're like right. yeah. There's bad, a reason we're not example. in finance. Yeah, we just sit and talk about movies. Yeah, and we can disagree. It's cool. It's that's whatever. fair. That's fair. I mean, you're just wrong, but we can disagree. That's fine. All right, let's change subject then. <laughs> if we're just gonna keep going at this. No, no, no. I like it. I like it. I think it's good. Otherwise, I'm gonna be at your throat later. No, definitely. Uh. I mean, what you know what's great about art is you can disagree. Then but but you can both still agree that it's good art. You can disagree what it means and why it's why it's good, but still good. Yeah. Or in your case, not good. Well, I mean Or it's good, but you'd rather look at some new art. Yeah. What I wanted to say on that point is basically you might not enjoy something, but you can still learn from it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I've always had to say is like I took all of these film history classes and yeah, I'm not gonna love every every single film that I watch. Like I'm not I'm not a fan of intolerance. Like I'm not gonna sit down and watch that for fun, you know? But there's always things that you can learn even if you don't enjoy it. And I think this is a good film to showcase that. I also still just think you can find more current examples that are gonna hit home a little bit better. That's fair. There's one last thing that I want to talk about in terms of like films then versus now is this this movie spoiler alert ends with not a happy ending i mean it's a happy ending but not in the same way that that we normally would yeah it's assume. like the twist to a happy ending. it's the it twist to ends with a satisfying ending yeah and a movie that i think of now that does the same thing which is uncommon uh now or then is la la land they both have those endings that are like happy but they're not the ultimate happy ending where the lovebirds stay together and live happily ever after i mean you could even bring in the the next film that we're going to talk about on the next episode sound of metal like it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending but it has a solid resolution definitely definitely that movie actually has like a really satisfying ending when you finally let's talk about that when we get there sorry we'll talk about yeah. that when we i just like talking about movies that that's my bad that's my bad you guys have to wait a whole nother uh what is that week like, or two a week or two yeah, yeah i was gonna wait until we talk about that one 
I know. I'm sorry about it. Be be ready. I would go out, watch that film. It's on Amazon Prime. It's free with anyone having Prime. So I would Definitely. give it a watch before we even talk about it. It might not be on Prime anymore. So just use the uh, the app Just Watch, just in case you're watching this way in the future and it's not there. Yeah, Just Watch is a great tool. We utilize it to figure out where we're going to watch every single film that we have. It'll tell you exactly what streaming service or where you're able to rent or buy it. Exactly. So shout out to Just Watch. You're an awesome service. Yeah. All right, let's move on to additional talking points because we could argue about this all day. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Actually, first thing I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. old school misogyny within the film industry. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I picked up on throughout the whole film is Rick is supposed to be the strong male figure and freaking uh, Elsa or whatever is the weak Thank female yeah. collapsing into his arms like, oh, I don't know. You have to think for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that old school misogyny that's like so evident in that age. And it's like when you go into today's day, when we're really trying to push like, you know, equality, giving everybody like the chance to be real people, be real characters, because no one really acts like that. Also, we didn't live in the 40s, so we don't know. But like, I guarantee back then there was a bunch of women in the theater that were watching this and she was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do that. Go out. Do your shit yourself. You're probably not wrong. Um, yeah. That there is, there are some things about this film that you would change nowadays. Uh, and that's definitely one of them. I think you would, you'd probably write it and resolve it a little differently. Um, with a similar ending, but probably a different way of getting there. So, Basically, what we're talking about now is you and I are going to remake Casablanca, mm-hmm. a modern version of Casablanca. Yeah, go find our GoFundMe um, and pay us a lot of money to remake it. Thank you. Yeah, we need a lot of money. In the 40s, they had almost a million dollars. No, the budget was just under a million. I think it was like 800000 but it went over budget to like... It was like a million, like a billion. It was like a million, like nine... Yeah, 9,000 or something like that. So in today's day... Give us twenty million and we'll do it. Yeah, yeah, sure, easy. easy. I made that black and white. We're gonna keep the script exactly the same. We're not changing a thing. Todd's gonna love it. It's gonna be his favorite thing ever. We're, yeah, we're gonna shot yeah. shot for shot. Everything's the same. Okay, okay. I'm just kidding. I was really hoping we were that gonna introduce probably. the POV helmet. You know, the POV helmet for what for what part? Literally the, the, the ending. The ending when he's got like the gun on him. He's like. I was going to shoot him, but I'll shoot you too. <laughs> that would be great. That's an artistic choice that I'm here for. I hate that. Um, yeah, no, you're right. You can definitely see the old school misogyny that we're trying to change in the industry now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I feel like there's not really like a lot to say about that other than it was there and we're trying to change that. Yeah, we're, yeah. Two, we're two dudes like... I don't. I don't want to say battle qualifier to like. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. But, uh, I just wanted to. We know it's there. Mm-hmm. We know it's there. We know to avoid that. Mm-hmm. But we we all just want to. Well, I guess all the two. I, I just want us all to do better on that. Yeah. I, I don't want it. Yeah. I guess. Uh, kind of funny fun fact, in similar like, regards to that, is, Humphrey Bogart, was about two inches shorter than Ingrid Bergman. Uh, so in all of their scenes together, she's either like, like kind of bent down, like hunched down a little bit, or he's on boxes. 
Dude. And it's kind of funny because it's really obvious in one scene where it's it's the Paris sequence, right? And then the the Nazi siren like loud horn goes off outside, and then they go to the window to look, and that's one of the it's one of the most obvious parts of the film where she's definitely taller than him, and because he's like walking to the window and he's a little bit farther back and she's closer in frame, but then they get together and they were moving so you can like have him on boxes unless you had like a whole row of boxes lined up for him to walk on and you can actually tell she's a little taller and then once i learned that i watched all these other parts of the parts of the film like when they're on the boat in france he's stand up like mostly tall and then she's like crouched in front of that rail so she looks shorter it's another one of those things that like kind of i guess it would be along the lines of misogyny where the guy has to be taller or else you're like it's like wrong um it's, it's a short king and he yeah. doesn't even live in that short king life he's like i'm a short king but i want to be tall he's not really like a short king though he's kind of an asshole about it i feel like a short king is like nicer like a better person but like, dude yeah yeah he does a good thing in the end i don't know i i don't know the guy i was just saying like yeah he i mean he's dead now could be a short king no, no. damn yeah they're all dead now i think so i mean they were all like they're probably all dead now Probably, if not. How, probably, how many years? How many years is that? It was forty-two. 70? It was forty-two. Yeah, it'd be like seventy. Yeah, they're all pretty much dead. seventy-one years. Yeah. yeah, they all smoked a ton. Oh, they're probably dead now. I could be wrong. They weren't ripping them lavender cigarettes. Don't I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. A lot of those actors in Hollywood at that time were like really like druggies, alcoholics. Smokers. Yeah, you could tell when a strong female lead does like five films in like a three-year span and then you never see them again because their fucking skin just starts to wrinkle and sag from all the that's another thing about that that misogynistic society is once once they got old enough and they didn't look as pretty they kind of yeah and they were just sorry like later we get a new one we need a cutie over here we don't do that as much in hollywood anymore i mean there still is a little bit of that like you have to be like like pretty to be on screen or like good looking or like whatever it's still kind of a thing but it's not as much. A lot of actors have way longer careers now. Oh, God, yeah. I was just thinking about this the other day, dude. Reese Witherspoon is still out and kicking, and I'm like, dude, you. I feel like you play, like, the one role all the time, like, the young blonde female. And it's like, she might be 50 or something now, and she's still doing that. I'm very sorry, Reese Witherspoon, if you ever end up listening to this. I love you. You're great. But, like, I feel like you need to grow up in the roles a little bit more. Did you hear she actually got murdered? Witherspoon? Sorry. Sorry. Dude, you got me. I thought she was dead, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go edit this out real quick. I don't want to <laughs> look like an asshole. Uh, No, that was just a horrible joke. Uh, it's like a horrible topic, and it's also just a bad joke. Yeah. Okay. I have something else that I thought was really funny, and I want to share it. Most people won't understand it. I thought it was hilarious. The first time I watched this movie, I didn't understand it. I didn't. I didn't see it. It's not like you don't understand it. You just wouldn't notice it. But there's a small little sequence with uh, what's the what's the guy's name Klaus or something like that. The uh, which guy? The German guy, the guy that speaks German. The barback, not the, oh yeah, the, uh, the barback is Russian. Yeah, no, no, not him. The other guy, the like older guy, fat guy, Carl. 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 I don't know why I forgot his name for some reason. I'll say way too German, like Klaus, not Carl. Yeah. Uh, there's this one scene involving him and an older German couple. It's at one hour, four minutes, and 30 seconds in the film. I made a note about that because I thought this was hilarious. 
um, this German couple or Austrian or Hungarian, some, some German speaking couple got their visa to leave and go to America. And they're like, oh, we're only going to speak English from now on. And they try speaking English. And there's a really funny joke about the German language. It's basically the husband goes, oh, uh, what, what watch? And then the wife goes, it's 10 watch. And then the, the Carl guy just kind of looks at him because he knows English way better than they do. And he's like this, they all fit in really well. And I guess I'm telling you this really bad, but I still think it's hilarious is because in the German language, when you're asking the time, you literally say, what clock is it? And that's, that's, I don't know. Sorry. I just thought it was really funny. I thought it was really funny. And most people wouldn't get it. And I know this is probably really slow and dragging on, but I still think it's hilarious. I'm cracking myself up just thinking about that moment. So the reason why Dom finds this funny is because he knows a little bit of German. So he picked up on it. Uh, still pretty interesting moment. I picked up on the actual English speaking after, after they do the what watch thing. They said some weird shit of like, oh, it's a hop, uh, hop pass, whatever. And I was like, no one talks like, but it, it plays into your joke. Yeah. It's like, what time is it? Or what, what clock is it? What watch? Yeah. It goes 10 watch. Because that's how you say what time it is if you replace those words with German words in Germany. It's kind of funny. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, I only have one other thing that I really wanted to bring up, and it's actually something that I wanted to commend the film for. Wow. I know. I'm surprised. This is character growth, something that apparently you say- Rick doesn't Rick have. Rick doesn't have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I just wanted to commend it for the uh, the flashback sequence. I think it did a really good job. Especially in those days of, like, highlighting the fact that it's a flashback. Like, it's literally, like, Rick is drinking himself into a freaking mini coma to go to bed bed for a night. And it pushes in, and then it goes to white, and then it opens up on a nice establishing shot of the Paris Arch. Arch. I don't know the name of it. I haven't been to Paris. Arch de Triomphe? That's it. I think. I don't know. I think. Okay, I trust you. Something along those lines. Yeah, but it opens up on the arch and then immediately goes back into like uh, the Rick and Isla around it. Yeah, yeah, back in Paris. Also, that flashback was like ten to fifteen minutes, dude. That was a really long flashback. Was it really ten to fifteen minutes? Oh yeah, dude. It it was like a good chunk of the film was the flashback. Wow, because I was gonna say that flew by without me even really like noticing that it was like it didn't feel long. It felt like it was a quick condensed way of showing their story together. But I guess it wasn't that condensed. It didn't feel that condensed to me. It felt like they were taking the time to showcase all of the like highs and lows of like them getting together and starting as a couple, being a couple, and then the eventual trail off of them as a couple. So I mean, it's three different sections, but it it does take a little bit of time to showcase that because they are flipping through scenes pretty quick. But it still takes a little bit of time to do that. But I think they did it really, really well. Definitely. Definitely. I think that kind of showcases something else, if I backtrack a little bit, about this film uh, than I didn't think of earlier, was the pacing for a movie of this time is really good. It doesn't drag. It doesn't feel slow. Compared to, like, M, which is earlier. It's, it's older. It's probably, like, what? What was When was M? 20-something? Uh, it's, like, five years. No. I think it was, like, 20-something. It was 19... 19... M? I yeah. thought it was, like, 31. Okay. It's definitely, it's somewhere to five to ten years older. Yeah. 
I forget what exact year. Don't hold us on that. Um, but it is much slower in pacing, way slower in pacing. And this movie keeps it keeps it going. At least for me, I don't know if it felt like it dragged on for you, but I felt like the pacing in this film was actually really solid. Move quick. It flows really well. And I think that's one of the things that I love with like old school film is the editing because it's like they're literally in a cutting. It's not today's day and age where you slap it in Premiere and you're just like, I want to cut here. I want to cut here. It's literally going through on the Edison machine. Yeah. Freaking ripping that film straight through there, cutting out little clips when they want them. If you delete something then, oh, that's that you, gone. That means you threw it away. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, now, now you're like, oh, shit, Control-Z, I want it back. Yeah. No, no, no. No, dude, I think that's, like, one of the things that I always find really impressive with all these old-school films is mm-hmm. the editing. And yeah. one of the films that I would love to do, like, a little short episode on in the future would be Man with the Movie Camera, because I think the editing in that is phenomenal. Okay. Yeah, definitely. It's a great one. That's, uh, that's uh, what's his name? Uh, Dzinga Birdtov. Oh, okay, I guess that was and then the thing of the editor was his wife. Who Oh, you're talking about the editor. Well the editor was it's a Buster Keaton movie, right? Or no? No. No, it's a What am I thinking of then? Are you thinking of like the general? What was the one where, where he's carrying around the movie camera the whole time? I have no idea. I wasn't a big Buster Keaton. I was more of a Chaplin guy. Fair. Yeah. I thought it was that one. I, I thought that was that that was called that, but I could be very wrong. No, Man with the Movie Cameras, uh, Vertov, old school Russian film, like okay. 1927, I think. Okay. But super good. Love to talk about it at a later date. Dom, real quick, do you have any other thoughts that you would love to bring up before we wrap this thing up? Uh, Yes. Let it rip, Biddy. I have to figure out what it was again. Mm. Give me one second. All right. Well, while Dom thinks about that, I'm going to just give a little toot toot into the thing give a shout out to my boys at 12 midnight thank you guys for getting us this podcast up and going you guys have done a ton of work to help us get this on off the ground and i i just want to say i'm very appreciative yeah so after you just gave that little thanks i'm going to talk about how this film is actually a propaganda film oh god yeah just real quick just a real quick sec okay um yeah so this this story is a love story right that's what it's that's what it's kind of based as but Underneath that, it is kind of a, uh, a propaganda film for the U.S. joining the war in World War II. If you think about it, it's kind of pretty obvious, to be honest. Rick is, is an American that's super neutral, and then he decides in the end to help Europe. Which is Ingrid Bergman's character, and she represents Europe. The American helps the European in the end. I guess, but... If you're going to say it's a propaganda film, there wasn't really a call to action. It's just, hey, these Nazis are being kind of assholes. Well, yeah, so the movie was set in, I mean, I, yeah, kind of, well, I guess you always kind of say Nazis are assholes because they're worse than assholes. But uh, the movie was set in 1941, like, just as the U.S. was getting into the war, and it was made in 1942, right? So it was kind of... In society at the time, we were as a people getting ready to join the war, and like our our, it wasn't like a super heavy propaganda film like others of that time were, but it was definitely still that like underlying sentiment of like, oh, we're gonna go help the war. You can kind of see different parts of it where the Germans are singing their national anthem and they're like singing their fight song or whatever 
whatever song that was. I don't pretend. Oh yeah, and the French join in and start singing their song. The French like beat theirs. Yeah, I thought that was a really good, powerful moment. Yeah, I will commend it for that. That's one of those moments that's a little bit of a propaganda film, along with the American being neutral and then deciding not to be neutral to help the people that the Germans are trying to stop. Okay. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a propaganda film. I would say it's more of like an allegory for... Yeah, maybe it's more of an allegory for rather than like a strictly propaganda film, but I think it still is kind of... It's kind of a film to get Americans to want to fight for that. that I guess that. Yeah. Uh, but that's all. I, that's all I got. That's all you got. Yeah, that's all I got. Well, all right. I guess we're we're gonna wrap it up here. Then. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Theater Cleaners, a Twelve Midnight podcast. I've been Todd. Beside me has been Dom. Tune in on the next episode. We're gonna be talking about Sound of Metal. I personally actually really enjoyed that film, and I will have a lot more to talk about in comparison to Casablanca and what went down. So you today. don't you don't hate that movie? No, I actually really love that movie, and I would put it up there in my list. I would say top 20 for sure. Definitely. You guys should watch that movie if you get a chance before. Um, Otherwise, you're going to hear about it, and then you're going to want to watch it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one. Catch you.